In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Utility, DH, fine, whatever, okay. Those lack sex appeal. You know what's sexy? Catchers. Catchers are hot, man, with all the gear and stuff. Top 10 catchers in baseball on the Just Baseball Show for Monday, February 5th. Also going to talk about a couple of deals that went down one late Thursday night after you guys finished recording that we got to just kind of circle back on. And then two over the weekend that were head-scratching for a moment. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Just Baseball Show, presented by the fine folks at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Come on. We have to take advantage. One more week, folks. One more week of the promo. Bet five, get $158 instantly added in bonus bets. Use code Just Baseball. Download the BetMGM app, whether that's on iOS or Android. Use code Just Baseball. Put down $5 at standard odds. Not a $10 bet, not a $15, not a $20, not a $1 bet. A $5 bet and you will see $158 instantly in bonus bets for the Super Bowl. Do not leave free money on the table. Jack, it's a good episode. Top 10 catchers. Yeah. We got to go over the Corbin Burns thing. The White Sox, and I say Corbin Burns thing, you know, he got traded. Right, yeah. White Sox deals, and then I have something about the Angels that I want to run past you. Okay, I've got something before any of this, too. And real quick, uh, are we going to get your pick for the Super Bowl now? Like, it's just us two talking. 
or do we have to wait until like Thursday or Friday? We got to wait a little bit. We got to wait a little bit. But shout out me. Chiefs plus 1,000 to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs started. 49ers plus 430. Bet that around week 13. So no matter what, I'm sitting pretty, my friend. Look at you. All right. Before we get into a guy named Burns, I want to lean with another guy named Burns. I saw a video tweeted out by Josh Norris of Baseball America of Chase Burns throwing in the spring series. Chase Burns at Wake Forest. And let me tell you. Yeah. Let's talk about Chase fucking Burns right now. I like that. So he was dynamite at Tennessee. Loved watching him. He makes a surprise, but not necessarily a surprise transfer to Wake Forest. It's interesting that you leave a top flight program like Tennessee, but you're going to maybe the gold standard of pitching development in college baseball in Wake Forest. They've got a pitching lab. It's them and Vandy, I think, that are that are the top two when it comes to, hey, you're a pitcher. Where do you want to go play college baseball? I saw a video of Chase Burns in the spring series. He looked somehow bigger, stronger, more athletic. The delivery looked clean. And watch that thing. I retweeted it. Watch that thing on full volume. You will not believe the sound the catcher's mitt makes when that fastball is landing. He, If there's a better college pitcher in America, I need you to show me that person. And I know that his teammate Hartle is up there. I know that Hagen Smith in Arkansas uh, is highly regarded. Brody Brecht at Iowa throws 101. But, like, Burns is the guy, man. I mean, he is amazing I, I can't wait to tune in this month when college baseball comes back yeah I think Brody Brecht would be the only one kind of on his level but Chase Burns if you remember right if you're not a big follower of college baseball you might have seen the viral clip where he pumps a hundred down the middle and then just goes ape shit not in a bad way not in a Chris Sale cutting up jerseys way but in a pure anger and domination and get off my field type of vibe from chase burns fires you up wake forest this season might have three guys that go in the top 10 in the 2024 mlb draft it'll be king seaver king the transfer chase burns and my favorite player i think in college baseball nick kurtz well and first baseman and hartle might be top 15 too he might be the second pitcher off the board if brecht can't throw strikes this year it has to be Brody Brecht. I mean, some team is going to take a chance on that arm. Last year, I mean, he's sitting 100, but we'll see. We have a lot more college baseball. We're going to bring on our guy, Pete Flaherty. We're going to do a complete college baseball preview. That's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to go over more college baseball, but I can't wait for the season to start. I just needed to get that Chase Burns video out of my head, man. Like, it was amazing watching it, and I'm never... I've never really been the person to be enamored with a video, the Bryce Miller splitter video, the Mitch Keller tread video, like any driveline video. That's my game. That I, is your I bread and butter. Up. But the yeah. thing is, we crossed over on this because yeah. this guy in his spring series, like the these were clipped videos from four hitless innings against an elite offense in Wake Forest with 10 punch outs in the spring series. Four hitless innings, 10 Ks, and he created this hoop mixtape for a pitcher that I've never seen before. It looked like a junior varsity team going up against Jacob <laughs> right. DeGrom. I mean, right. it wasn't even close. Man, the uh, the Palm Beach Cardinals, was that DeGrom's low A rehab? That was crazy, but it, it did kind of look like that. What was that? Three immaculate innings in a row, just nine Ks, just got out of there. Stupid. Um, all right, let's let's hit on Corbin Burns for a moment. Obviously. That cycle has kind of passed, but it happened late Thursday night. Uh, If you haven't 
I, if if you've been under a rock, here's the here's the entire transaction. It's Corbin Burns going from Milwaukee to Baltimore in exchange for Joey Ortiz, who is a consensus top 100 prospect. I think just baseball and arm have him inside the top 60. DL Hall, who I know if he still had prospect eligibility, arm was ready to shove him into the top 100 because he is sold on what he did as a reliever this past year and thinks that can translate back into the starting rotation and a competitive balance pick. It'll be the 34th overall pick, which probably, depending on on where the Brewers go when it comes to you know high school, college, pitcher, hitter, it'll probably be somewhere in like the 8 to 10 range in their system. Their farm system is now elite with the addition of Ortiz, and you've got a young guy with only a couple days of Major League Service and D.L. Hall. But the big story here is one of the best lineups in baseball just created a front four in a rotation that can absolutely pitch into the beginning of November in Burns, Radish, Grayson Rodriguez, and whoever you want to be the four. Dean Kramer, John Means, don't care. Yeah, if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you saw the graphic that we put up that, you know, kind of went viral because, you know, Bleacher Report got a hold of it as well. But Kyle Bradish and Corbin Burns would have had the best ERA from a duo of a starting pitching duo in Major League Baseball last year, right? Corbin Burns was in the 3-2 to 3-3 range. Kyle Bradish was in the 2-8-9. No other team had a duo that excelled in run prevention like those two. And then you have Grayson Rodriguez, the train, where we all saw what he had in the second half. And honestly, Jack, on Twitter, you know, as a big-time capital J journalist as I am, yeah. I had a bit of a, a moment of weakness because when the trade first came in, I said, that's all it took? I just couldn't believe that finally the Baltimore Orioles made the big trade. Jack, how many episodes we're on episode six whatever i think 300 of those have been making fun of the orioles for not doing it and they finally did it and the reason why i had a moment of you know stupidity was i said that's all it took i thought the package would be bigger for corbin burns but we do have to remember also it is one year of corbin burns right he's going to be a free agent after the season and the package while it is quote unquote for all those watching on youtube light for the Orioles, because they have the greatest farm system ever. Yeah. One year of Corbin Burns for a guy who can play a starting shortstop this upcoming season. And D.L. Hall, who I think can be a nasty reliever. Just disgusting. Right? We talked with Eno Saris, walked us through the Stuff Plus models. Go check out D.L. Hall, where all of his pitches rank. He's disgusting. And they get a first-round pick out of it. It's a pretty good haul, but if I'm an Orioles fan right now, I'm over the moon. I'm you absolutely have to be. over the moon. Have to be. If you want a detailed breakdown of Ortiz and DL Hall and what that pick could be at 34 and how to contextualize this trade return, go listen to the call up. Aram and I talked about that on Friday morning. We did a pretty solid breakdown and and kind of equated it to like, okay, if the Orioles were dealing from a, a a 10 to 15, a system in the 10 to 15 range in Major League Baseball, like it looks better than it was. The thing is, like, relatively speaking, they traded their sixth best prospect, their 10th best prospect, and a pick. And it's like, ah, whatever. 
but it's it's bigger than that because the Orioles do have the best system in baseball. The Brewers have, I think, the second best system in baseball now, and they get a guy in Ortiz that can play shortstop. We'll see what happens with Willie Adamas. The rumors are starting to swirl again. I think that guy might be seeking greener pastures. If not, it's going to be a fun little jigsaw puzzle with Adamas, Ortiz, Bryce Terang. What do you want to do defensively? Because Ortiz and Terang are better defensive shortstops than Adamas is. Do you push Adamas to third? Do you have Ortiz play short? Do you have Adamas play short? Do you have Ortiz play third? Is Terang still the everyday second baseman? It's just kind of a bizarre thing to work with. What was your reaction, initial reaction, when it first hit? Um, Fun, 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 fun. What do the Brewers need so badly? Because on paper, their lineup, I think, can be one of the better lineups in that division. I think it can be one of the two best lineups in that division. I do think that the Brewers lineup, it, the Cardinals are so hard because everybody <laughs> had a terrible year last year. So I pencil them in in the one spot, but I don't think that lineup is that far off from what the Cubs and Reds are boasting, and they all kind of clear the Pirates right now. It's not saying a ton. But it's I'm not saying, saying a ton. From if you are a Brewers fan, right? The entire internet is saying that the Orioles fleeced you and you got rid of Corbin Burns. No. It feels no. like Rome is falling. You if got, you're a Brewers fan, what should you be thinking right now? You got 12 years of control of a guy that can play shortstop on an everyday basis. And a left-handed pitcher that can be a middle rotation guy. Worst case scenario, he's Matt Brash, and he is an elite setup guy. Worst case scenario is Matt Brash. Come on, worst Dude. case. Worst case scenario, he's not Major League Baseball. We're talking about okay. Worst case means twenty fifth percentile outcome is Matt Brash. That's incredible. This is twenty fifth percentile outcome for Matt Brash right now, man. Like Brash was supposed to be a starter, and the Brewers are going to try Deal Hall as a starter, and they that was should. The initial report. They should listen to Aram kind of break down the tweaks on the call up on, on the Friday show. But the gist of it is he, he altered the attack angle a little bit. And like, I think the slot deviated a teensy bit, but he's got this amazing ability to drive to the plate while still kind of generating torque in his torso. It's very hater. The delivery is very hater. And the fastball takes off like a rocket ship. The changeup is elite. This guy's a two-pitch mix that that is closer type shit. But stretch him out. I think he's a three. Okay, but you know why I'm slightly smiling though, right? Why? Because Hader was a brewer? No, because they traded Corbin Burns in exchange for these two guys. Yeah, no, exactly. So like it works for both. They would get a pretty good package, but that's why I'm I'm asking you to dig deep here. Do you really think that it was a fair trade? Yeah. That the Brewers got enough. I do. The Brewers are really good at drafting. They have the 34th pick. The slot value attached to the 34th overall pick last year was $2.5 million. So they not only have an extra 25 to play with in the bonus pool while they are a good drafting team, but they also have 12 years of control of a shortstop and a middle rotation guy if everything goes according to plan. So you think the Brewers fans should be happy about trading Corbin? Burns? Yeah, I don't think there was a win or a loss here. <laughs> I... I oh. I, I would see just, both I would sides. feel crushed. I would feel crushed if I'm a Brewers fan. Like I understand 
it all sounds good what we're saying. Yeah, but it's one Joey year Ortiz left. is going to be good, and we think D.L. Hall is going to be good. But damn it, they traded Corbin Burns, the, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. There was one year remaining on his deal. You already pissed him off going into last year with the arbitration thing. He was not going to be a Milwaukee Brewer after this. Do I you want to go through one more year where you try to thread the needle? No, I get or it. It's just do you want to do this? I get it. It's a smart move. But if I'm a fan, I'm still depressed, right? It seems like, sure. all right, we have a star. He's on the last year of his deal. That's it. He's gone. Right? Who's next? Devin Williams? Willie Adamas? And then we just keep kind of redoing the wheel. They already lost David Stearns. Craig so, Council's gone. Shit. So do you remember the reaction from Dan Campbell after Detroit lost the NFC Championship game with last week, right? Well, what do you mean by that? It was like, like yeah. I'm crushed. Like these guys don't get anything. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no reward for losing in the NFC championship game. And that's kind of the way that I look at this. You hold Corbin Burns if you think you have a legit shot to win the World Series. But if you think you have a, le a legit shot to like grab a wild card spot or maybe win the division by two games and get to the DS, why are you holding Corbin Burns? No, I get it. I get why they did it. I'm not trying to argue that. I'm more just speaking for the Brewers fan out there that is crushed. No. And I'm I'm glad we're, you know, giving that Brewers fan some hope on these players. But you at should. the end of the day, it stinks. But if you're an Orioles fan, congratulations. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's sick. And, hey, who's to say that Baltimore can't extend Burns with the new ownership? And maybe he yeah, loves I'll, the idea I'll, of winning. I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe <laughs> the extension talks when I see it. I'm down for a trade. But, again, you got to keep proving it to me, Michael Elias, because – I mean, when in the hell have you ever done that? And I know Chris Burns, Davis, right? they paid somebody. They yeah, paid Chris did, Davis. And, and they haven't done one since. <laughs> I don't know if you heard Corbin Burns on foul territory. Shout out the guys at foul territory. Um, I think he really wants to hit free agency. They asked him about it. And it's kind of one of those answers where it's like, yeah, I mean, if they blow us out of the water and it's a offer my family and I can't refuse, sure. But, you know, we'll see, right? That means I'm going to be a free agent, right? Juan Soto, he's not going to get extended by the Yankees this offseason probably either. Everybody wants to hit free agency. They want to see what their value is on the open market. I totally understand. So I personally do not think an extension will come Corbin Burns' way. We might hear of offers. Him yeah. accepting it, I think, is very unlikely. Doesn't mean that they won't bring him back after that. We have no idea. We'll see. New Let's ownership. Do Let's do this. San Francisco's not going to get Bellinger this year. But here's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, no. We're not going to do this with the Giants. We're just not. He's from Bakersfield. Burns oh, is from yeah, Bakersfield. No. He yeah, went to St. Mary's yeah, in Moraga. Yeah, Nor NorCal guy. Shout and out Katie's, to St. Mary's. And, Kate, and Kevin Durant's going back to the Wizards because he's from Washington, right? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> so here's the thing. The first big domino to fall next year is Juan Soto signing with the San Francisco Giants. Can we and Corbin stop Burns. With the Giants? Why are you guys obsessed with them? Can we stop? Burns is going to look at them and say, they just added Juan Soto. They got Soto and Jung Huli in the outfield. I could be a co-ace with Logan Webb in San Francisco. My my Gales just beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs at the Kennel on Sunday night. I got to go back to San Francisco, man. Honey, I'm coming home. I don't know. The Giants just freed up a uh, spot, a 40-man spot trading Ross Stripling to Oakland. We haven't even talked about that yet. I'm good. Do you want to talk about the White Sox thing? <laughs> Ross Stripling is in Oakland A. Okay. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, the White Sox had an active weekend out of nowhere. They had an active 10-minute stretch, at least according to Jeff Passan. I listened to Chris Getz kind of break it down in his media availability after the pair of trades, and, and we'll walk through it one by one. I'm pulling it up right now. 
Um, Gregory Santos, who had a really great year last year with the White Sox. And I know that was a hot button topic between you and Aram via text. So we'll get into it. Nasty. I was calling him. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute. But the, the first trade that went down was Gregory Santos from the White Sox to Seattle to bolster that bullpen, make it one of the best in all of baseball. The return was Zach Deloach, Prelander Baroa, and the Mariners competitive balance round B selection. So that's the 69th overall pick. Nice. And then 10 minutes later, the White Sox traded a starting pitching prospect, Christian Mena, who's 21 years old, for Dominic Fletcher, David Fletcher's younger brother. Dom played really well in about 30 games with the Diamondbacks at the major league level, had a really nice year in Reno. Um, So Fletcher is kind of out of that log jam in Arizona. He comes to the White Sox. He will be on the big league roster. Mena goes to Arizona, but that was on the heels of probably the bigger one where the Mariners just got one of the better ground ball guys that we had in, in bullpens last year. The way that I interpret Gregory Santos is he was going to be the closer for the White Sox this year. I think he would have been a mid-level closer, but I think he is a high-level setup guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know, elite. I would put him... We got to see more. We got to see more. more. He has it was one year to do this. Yes. Right. Um, I saw baseball savant had kind of like similarity scores to Chris Martin last year, who was great. Justin Topa, who was also in that Mariners bullpen. Like this guy has the chance to be one of the better ground ball relievers in baseball. Is that elite closer? No, but it is borderline elite setup guy at the very least. Very good setup guy. It's bruised our Gratterall esque, right? (sighs) Yeah. I think so. Um, In the terms of the bowling ball sinker, the slider from hell, not a ton of whiff right around a 23% ground ball rate, but it's really hard to square them up and it's keeping the ball on the ground at a 52% rate, which is an elite, elite ground ball rate considering the average in Major League Baseball is about 42 to 43%. Yes. So 23% K rate, uh, yes. 52% ground ball rate. Yes. The, the book on Santos last year, 66 and a third. An ERA just under 3-4, but a 1-3 whip struck out a hitter per nine. He walked 2.3 guys per nine. So the command was really good from a hard thrower. Yeah, opponents 5. hit 5.9% walk rate. Yeah, like Minuscule. really strong. Yeah. Um, opponents hit just under 260 against him. You mentioned the 52% ground ball rate. He faced 289 hitters. He allowed two homers all year long. The sinker sat 99, opponents blistered it, hit 340 against it, slugged near 500. But the slider was excellent, excellent. Opponents hit a buck 96 against it, and that's they slugged 203. He's a that slider is. first guy. Yeah. So you've got a guy that stayed away from barrels, minimum 100 batted ball events. This guy led baseball in fewest barrels allowed, barrels per plate appearance. Like, you have a guy that is exactly what the White Sox wanted from Aaron Bummer and exactly what the Dodgers want and are getting from Gratterall, where it's, we're going to give you a two-pitch mix and you're just going to bang it into the ground three times and then we hand it over to our eighth inning guy and then we hand it over to our ninth inning guy. And the reason Arm and I were arguing, I was calling him nasty. He's objectively nasty. Now, we may have different definitions of the word nasty. Arm's definition of the word nasty is racking up the whiffs. Racking yeah. up the strikeouts and 
this guy is not a big strikeout artist, right? Gregory Santos registered a 22 point whatever strikeout rate last year, 23%. See, he's not striking out the world, but I was responding. I have a different, different definition of nasty. 99 mile an hour sinkers with a slider that sits 91 is pretty nasty to me, especially when all the peripherals, right? The FIP, the XFIP, the Sierra, the expected ERA are all lower than his actual ERA. And then I sent him a video of him striking out Luis Arias for the fourth time Luis Arias has ever struck out in his life. And I was like, is this nasty? No response. Crickets. Ouch. Classic fraud. I'm latent. Of course he's nasty. So my question to you is, why? Why did they move? Why did the White Sox do it? I mean, I get it, right? You know, it's a good move for them. They don't need a reliever. Yeah. But that's why. Sure. They're going to stink and they don't need a reliever. Now, he Could was they have the... gotten back a better package. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. Um, he was the one saving grace in the White Sox bullpen. And I was watching White Sox game last year. If I had a bet on them or against them or an over and an under, and I saw Gregory Santos come in, I'm like, all right, here's the one scoreless inning we got. Because Aaron Bummer, for whatever reason, put up a five ERA and like a two five expected because the defense just crumbled behind him. But Gregory Santos. I guess was giving up easier ground balls. Is that a stat? Easier e- ground Santos ball might have given up the easiest ground balls to catch in Major League Baseball. In terms of ground ball difficulty, I think he is in the 98th percentile. We got to talk to Eno Saris about that one. That's okay, ground ball ease. <laughs> now that Bummer is in Atlanta and Santos is in Seattle, the save opportunities are likely to go to John Brebia, Tim Hill. Jimmy Lambert, non-zero chance Davey Garcia gets a save opportunity this year. Tuki. Tuki Toussaint, Shane Drohan, a Rule 5 pick. Okay. This we're is talking. the White Sox bullpen we're talking about right now. That's the worst bullpen ever constructed in the history of American baseball. Chris Getz just texted me, hey, we need you for the sixth. That sounds about right. Yeah. Text him back. I saw you have Drohan. You're good. I saw you have Davey Garcia. I, I, I will say. putting up a five ERA for the Yankees in AAA. I will say there's one guy that they got in a land deal. He said, screw you. Ouch. He said, screw you. Yeah, sorry. There's there's one guy that they got in a Lance Lynn deal named Jordan Leisure, who is the second piece with Nick Nestrini. Nestrini is a starting pitching prospect. He'll probably get a chance at the major league level this year. Leisure is a guy that immediately slotted into Charlotte after the trade. I think Leisure has the chance to be the best reliever that the White Sox run out. That's sad. It is. Having said all that, I get why you did it, because it is a high-level setup guy with five years of control. From the Mariners' perspective, you just created a three-headed monster, maybe, of Santos, of Brash, and of Munoz. That's disgusting. I mean, that's what the Mariners do, right? They trade Justin Topa in a deal, and then they just go get Gregory Santos. Like, that pen is just Yeah, pardon, to... of, of Spear, of Spear, and yeah, not Topa. Yeah, that that um, that um pen is going to be disgusting. And I saw a tweet from Mariners Twitter go viral. Imagine bats when George Kirby dots you up for six innings straight, and then you go from Santos to Brash to Munoz. Good night. But it's always kind of been good night for the Mariners. That's what they're built on is pitching. But they made some good offensive moves. This Mariners team might be buying back in again, Jack, because what wins in the playoffs? Pitching. And they got it in droves. 
and the offense is looking better and better and better. Yes. I still wish they didn't trade Jared Kelnick, but hey, you know, we're at this spot now. Let's see what we got. Yep. Uh, quick thing on the return for the White Sox. Prelander Baroa is probably the most exciting piece that came back. 23-year-old was a starter up until 2023, and he was a good one. 2022 between high A and double. He had a 2.86 ERA, just over 100 innings. He was striking out 13 and a half guys per nine, but he was walking five and a half. So they make the move to the pen. After the move to the pen, this year in double A, 65 and a third, ERA under three, opponents hit under 200 against him. But again, 14 punch outs per nine, five and a half walks per nine. Heater flirts with 100, slider is solid. He's a reliever. He has the chance to be a really good reliever, a top flight setup guy in a different way. Yeah. Or nasty. He could be Gregory Santos one day. More nasty, though. <laughs> Santos Santos, not nasty, but Prelander Barroa has the chance to be nasty. What are we talking about here? Have we let the word nasty just pass us by? 99-mile-an-hour sinker with a 91-mile-an-hour slider. He's still tracking out 23%. This sinker, is Rich Hill. Sinker 99? that opponents, dude, sinker that opponents hit 340 against. I, Look at all the expected batting averages and all that. They, these guys are getting unlucky. He was dealing with the White Sox defense. He got, like, whatever. you and I up the middle. Um, all right, so Baroa can be your typically nasty reliever with a bunch of swing and miss, a bunch you of You hope case. he could be Gregory Santos. You hope. Yeah. Zach Deloach, 25-year-old, was a second-round pick by Seattle in 2020 out of Texas A&M. Last year, hitter-friendly Tacoma had an 870 OPS that translated to a 111 WRC+. Plus. The PCL's Ow. weird. Dang it's it. really weird. <laughs> Average OPS in the PCL this past year, I think, was 825. It was drastically high. Um, yeah. But 23 homers. He was an efficient base dealer, 8 for 11. He punches out a lot. 28% K rate in AAA. He's a corner outfielder. I don't want him on the opening day roster. He's a great older prospect to have in Charlotte. And then 69th pick, like, you've got options to go grab a guy that'll slot into the, to the 10 to 15 range in, in a solid system. Now Dominic Fletcher for Christian Mena. Mena was an interesting guy to part ways with. He just turned 21. Right-hander finished the year in AAA. Granted, he's coming off of a year that production-wise was not great. He threw a ton of innings, 133, but he had a 4.85 ERA in 27 starts. He was punching out 10.5 per nine. He was walking about 4.5 per nine. He's got a fastball that, like, isn't good. It's your it's your cookie cutter fastball in the 93-94 range. It is your run-of-the-mill four-seam fastball, but he does have a curveball and a slider that both perform really well. He's a young guy, and there's a chance that you get a back-end starter here with some nasty swing and miss breaking pitches. You hope the fastball develops. So what do you think, White Sox fan? I actually like that they got Dominic Fletcher. Because the right field options. Feeling mania? Because, of course, Elijah Evans, who also covers the White Sox for us, does yeah. a ton of great work for JustBaseball.com. He did not want to give him up. So I, th I think it's a hope thing at that point, right? Like, mm. I think it's, oh, you hope that he figures that out. At the end of the day, combine the minor league numbers from the last two years. They're not that good. And I know that he had a good spell pre-Project Birmingham in 2022. But at the end of the day, like, this guy's got to produce in order to get a major league shot. And unfortunately, it's kind of been a dream that has propelled him forward to this point in his career. Young guy, tons of arm talent, clearly. But at the end of the day, he's walking four and a half per nine, and he's got a fastball that does not perform well against minor league hitters. Fair enough. So, like, 
But the I'd White Sox are cooking, kind of. They cooked in a 10-minute stretch. They got Dominic Fletcher, who I think should be the everyday right fielder after opening day. They signed Kevin Pillar to a minor league deal. I want him in the outfield optic-wise for opening day, but after that, give it to Dominic Fletcher. What about Oscar Colas? Okay, so okay. <laughs> Colas is kind of pissing a lot of people off. Apparently, they oh, wanted great. him to go play winter ball, Top but he worked out. for the White Sox, pissing everybody off. Great. Very I, good I, spot here. I saw a report in November that the White Sox really badly wanted him to play some winter ball, and he said, no, I don't want to play winter ball. Like, Oh, you love that. Hearing from your top prospect doesn't want to play more baseball. And you watched him last year. He was really not good last year. He was, yes, you said it well. You said it a lot nicer than I would have said it. Yeah. yeah. I was so disappointed, dude. I thought he's just a freaking ball of talent that's just nothing is unlocking right now. But it is early, still very young. It's early. Oscar Colas last year, just to run through the numbers. Oh, by the way, no winter league action this year. Okay. 54 games in Charlotte, had an 810 OPS. 75 games with the White Sox, hit 215 with a 570 OPS. So you look for upgrades. They got one in Dominic Fletcher. 66 games in Reno last year, had a 120 WRC plus, an OPS a tick under 900. He had 33 extra base hits in 66 games and a 22% K rate. He's got more juice than big bro David. Uh, 28 games with the Diamondbacks last year, hit 301 with a 790 OPS. This is the big one for me. Dude played 28 games in the outfield. Four defensive runs saved, two outs above average. He's a top flight defender. You found your best right field option moving forward, and Dominic Fletcher is going to be the guy in right field for the White Sox. So to get your everyday right fielder for a pitcher that is laden with concerns. I didn't mind it at all. Who's the last great White Sox right fielder? Because Aloy Jimenez doesn't count. Is it Jermaine Dye? Yeah, that's a great pull. And that's exactly where my mind went. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the 2015 Chicago White Sox baseball reference page and just keep clicking backwards. Adam Eaton had a couple of good years. Yeah, but like, come on, he ain't, he's no Jermaine Die. He's no Jermaine Die. But like, the best case scenario for Dominic Fletcher is Adam Eaton, unfortunately. Crazy that Adam Eaton got traded for Lucas Giolito. Alex Rios was kind of solid. Alex Rios was solid. Adam Eaton for Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning. That was a fleece job by Rick Hahn. Great fleece. trade. And all of those guys are currently on the White Sox, right? No, none of oh, those guys are. are on the White Sox, unfortunately. Oh, shoot. Dane Dunning has a ring, by the way. <laughs> Dane Dunning does have a ring. Shout out Dane Dunning. He traded for an eventual World Series champ. Um, yeah, so overall, like it, it was a weird day, but nothing that totally sparked outrage for me. When I saw that they were wheeling and dealing, when they dealt Santos, I was like, come on. like This product <laughs> is just going to be so bad this year. That was my immediate takeaway. <laughs> Speaking about teams that I have no real idea what they are doing, uh, from Twitter account Beyond the Halo, Perry Manassian has now spent $30.45 million AAV annual value on relievers and depth arms. One would think he still has money to spend, and he's not just spending his entire budget on Robert Stevenson, Matt Moore, Luis Garcia, Jose Cisnero, Adam Simber, Zach Plesak, and Adam Kolarik. What is Artie Moreno doing? What is Perry Manassian doing? $30.45 million AAV on just relievers. 
all of them. It's weird. Like, I don't mind some of the pickups, but what are we doing here? Lisak's an ace in Salt Lake. What are we doing here? I just had to bring that up because I was kind of recognizing that the Angels, I was like, oh, that's good bullpen pickup. Oh, that's decent. Oh, that's decent. And then I saw this tweet. I'm like, yeah, this is beyond the halo. Put my mind into, into a tweet being like, what is the plan here? $30 million on relievers this offseason when you just lost Shohei Otani? Angels and White Sox fans, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I don't even know what to say to you guys. Do you know what the easiest flippable pieces are every trade deadline? Relievers. What, are you going to trade all of them, or are you going to put all of them on waivers again? No, they better trade all of them. I bet they do, because they always operate under incredible logic. If they don't trade every single one of these cats that they just <laughs> signed, I, so help me God. They might they, extend them. They have so far and away the worst farm system in baseball. I mm. think what, what Perry just did was, okay, well, our first round pick is going to be in the big leagues a week later. We need to find guys that will turn into the number 10 prospect in a normal system because the number 10 prospect in a normal system is our number three prospect. We need to find three through 10 in our organization. How do we get a good farm system? Well, we can't draft, we can't develop, but what we can do is sign relievers and trade them. Hey man, Sam Bachman's a big leaguer. Zach Neto's a big leaguer. Shanowell's a big leaguer. They're drafting big leaguers. Do they deserve it? Did Shanowell deserve a call up? I don't know. (laughs) But technically you're right. They are big leaguers. Just kind of how we use. What do you mean? He's not a good defender. He won a gold glove. (laughs) He's a gold glover. He's given the gold glove awards out. Rafael Palmero, Gold Glover. Yeah, Clint Frazier, Gold Glove Award winner. Did he really? When? Yeah, one, one, and left. I think in 2020 for no reason. Oh, I love that. He was also yeah. wearing the um, he was wearing the mask that didn't work. You remember that thing that like hung around people's no. neck and no. you just pulled it up. Man, I didn't see that. yeah, he was wearing one of those that like um, the World Health Organization I think like actually just proved did not work. <laughs> but he Hilarious. Was it was kind of swaggy, probably. It was. It was actually sick. It was a Yankees thing. I I forget what the name was. Um. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And I don't want to spend too much time on the Angels because they break my brain. No, that, I just wanted to read the tweet and just let Angels fans know that I don't have an answer for them either. Other now, than, I guess we're going to flip all of them. Probably. Probably not, though, because it's Artie Moreno and Perry Manassi. We never know what they're doing. Now, give me a percentage on the chance that the Angels sign one of Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger. 100%. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like they're gonna at this point right boris is calling up perry Manassi and be like hey man you know you want to and perry's like i kind of want to god you're right give them to me <laughs> give them both to me can we do a package deal maybe a two for water it's like it's like spongebob and sandy's tree dome without the uh without the helmet i need it no and Moneyball, right how do we replicate jason giambi well we need a 400 obp from three different guys we could just replicate o- otani in the aggregate man with robert stevenson and cody bellinger i mean it's not far off hey quick question is robert stevenson going to be good yes i love the pickup for the angels i mean well now that he that's my problem and this Mm -hmm. is bad capital j journalism is like i love him but it's like well if the dodgers sign him you loved him of course i was right but the angels sign him i'm like shit maybe i was wrong you loved him in a Rays uniform. Did you love okay. him in a Reds, Rockies, or Pirates uniform in the previous 365 days? No, I did not. 
Yeah. So that's my thing. Maybe you found something. I did see it. I did see a tweet after the Rays signed Maton this weekend. It said easiest sub to ERA I've ever seen. <laughs> like, yeah, People bingo. just give it to the Rays. Be like, yeah, of course he's going to win the Cy Young as a reliever. Easy. Easy. All right. We're going to do top 10 catchers to wrap. But before that's a quick break. Top 10 catchers in Major League Baseball for 2024. Of course, we have two honorable mentions. The corresponding article is in the episode description. It will be live at JustBaseball.com. By the time you're listening to this, Tim Kelly did a great job writing that thing up. Our two honorable mentions, and again, you can see all of our individual uh, rankings for these guys. So if we've got you know so-and-so at eight, maybe I had him at six and Peter had him at 10. We'll obviously bring that up, but you can see where Arm had him, where Ryan Finkelstein had him, where Leo Morgenstern had him, where Colby Olsen had him. Two honorable mentions are Yiner Diaz of the Houston Astros and Alejandro Kirk of the Toronto Blue Jays. Two guys that are going in totally different directions in terms of their trajectory. Kirk was so exciting. One of the better offensive catchers in all of baseball in 2022. In 23, this guy laid a steaming clunker offensively. And defensively, is he a liability? Maybe. Yiner Diaz, on the other hand, is everything you want in terms of the future at the catching position for the Houston Astros. I think this guy is surely a top 10 catcher in baseball when we do this next year. I wanted Yiner Diaz on this list so bad, and I just couldn't get him above guys who have just earned it and have done it a lot longer or, you know, guys on this list who have a higher prospect pedigree and also showed out. But Yiner Diaz, I'm already, I can already hear the Astros fans, you know, coming through the mic i know i know i know i know i think he deserves it too just missed dude raked 846 ops 23 home runs and this was only in 355 abs and he was a good defender he's a great blocker he has a cannon of an arm he's not a good pitch framer but of course that could develop right no martin maldonado anymore so it's his job I think, Jack, we're going to be kicking ourselves at the end of the season and be like, how did we leave off Yiner Diaz? But a couple of guys, like I said, have just done it longer or just have a higher prospect pedigree. But damn it, I really wanted him on. If Yiner Diaz is number 11, that means that the 10th best catcher in baseball is Martin Maldonado of the Chicago White Sox because Dusty Baker likes him more. Let's start the real list. The top 10 catchers for the 2024 MLB season. We start with number 10. Wilson Contreras of the St. Louis Cardinals. Now you can make fun of the fielding, right? He was not a good defender. We all saw the stories, right? Especially from his own manager and Oli Marmol. But did we forget the guy rakes? 127 WRC plus still put up 2.4 F war. You're going to get 20 bombs from Wilson Contreras every single year until the bat falls off. We just can't put him outside the top 10 yet. I'm with you. Even if he's a DH, he's going to produce. And at the end of the day, it was that last year was a year from hell for everybody in St. Louis. It was a year from hell for Ali Marmol. It was a year from hell for Adam Wainwright, frankly, who, who hung it up after that year. Nolan Arenado had a career worst season since he was like 22, 23 years old. But I think the poster boy of the Cardinal disappointment in 2023 was Wilson Contreras because of the narrative that was, I think, unjustifiably attached to him 
I don't know what he was like behind closed doors. I know that this guy has been disliked by a lot of opponents in his life. Um, but man, he's always going to produce offensively. And he he's too good same, of an athlete. He had the same WRC plus as Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Like he still rakes. We just got to put him on at 10. Cardinals fans might think this is too low that we got to give him a second, right? We say that guy first year in a deal. There's a lot of shit going on in St. Louis. Still rake just wasn't great defensively. You're learning new pitchers. I'm willing to give him another shot behind the plate. But if he continues struggling like this defensively, he might have to move to the DH position because, and you can re- see in the article, the numbers are so bad he was actively hurting the team last year defensively. But if he can at least be slightly below average, this is still a great catching option. We act like Wilson Contreras is 35. He's 31. Yeah. He's still got years. We got He's years got of time. Wilson. He's got four years of control in St. Louis, and, and chances are he can be good through the end of that $85 million deal. Number nine is the 22-year-old in Queens. Francisco Alvarez of the New York Mets, ninth best catcher in baseball. Bowling ball, muscle hamster, call him whatever you want. This guy is must watch when he's right. Sure, the batting average was under 210. He hit 25 homers as a 21-year-old catcher full time. And guess what? He was a really good catcher defensively. One of the better framers in all of baseball. He was a positive defensive run saved guy. And oh, by the way, he drove in 63. If the OBP gets under gets over 300, which I'm sure it will, he's going to rocket up this list considering the defensive prowess that he showed. He has the chance, and Tim highlighted this in the article, to be one of, if not the, best power-hitting catcher in the game in not too long. I also, and this was a guy who, you know, Astros fans, when I'm thinking about Yiner Diaz versus Francisco Alvarez, well, Francisco Alvarez is three or four years younger. I think he's a better defender, right? Especially in pitch framing where Francisco Alvarez was in the 95th percentile, was statistically one of the best defenders at the position last year. And then when we talk about offense, you'll say, well, Yiner had more home runs, right? He had a higher WRC plus. He's a better hitter. Well, context is important. It's a 21-year-old on a team similar right to the Cardinals, where everything went wrong last year, put up an 809 OPS in the first half. He was killing baseballs. And that was at the beginning. He ran into the rookie wall, right? He's super, super young. He's catching every day. He's never had this workload in his life. And he was had a down second half offensively. This is a special bat that we didn't even think was going to be great defensively. We thought he was, was going to be pretty good, right? I don't think his calling card in the minor leagues was, oh, this guy is so good defensively. If he hits, he hits. No, this guy's going to hit, and we hope he can play defense. Well, now we know he can really play defense, and we saw the first half offensively. I think in a full season, he's got his ducks in a row now. I think he's going to be even higher on this list. That's what separated him from Yiner Diaz. He's younger. I think the bat is the same amount of upside, and I think he's the superior defender, and he's three or four years younger. That's why I went with Francisco Alvarez at nine, but I still, I just can't get over. I wanted a Yiner on this list so bad. Damn it. The, the book on on Alvarez was always juice, and now it is juice and. Mm-hmm. And the and is so important. Couldn't agree with you more. All right, number eight, Gabriel Moreno of the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
turns 24 in February, but was already a lightning rod in the playoffs. And in his first real full season, the power wasn't really there. But my God, what a defender. 20 defensive runs saved. Put up a 1.7 F war. And we really saw the bat come into focus when the lights turned on in the playoffs. Outside of Cattell Marte and Corbin Carroll, this guy was hitting third and was hitting third for a good reason. If he can hit like that in the playoffs, he is going to be one of the best catchers in baseball for a very, very long time. Was a top prospect, right? We remember, traded in the Dalton Varsho deal. I had him 10th personally. A lot of you guys were a lot higher on Gabriel Moreno than I was, right? Colby ranked him fifth. You ranked him ninth. Why do you love Gabriel Moreno so much? I think that this is one of the few guys at this position that has a legitimate shot to hit 300. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that list in all of baseball is dwindling down. The the art of hitting 300 is gone. <laughs> and now there's like a select number of guys. If you just look at... I'm, I'm going to pluck a random year, so you can't you know quote me on this exactly. But if, if you looked at 2013 even, how about 2003? Compared to 2023, the number of guys that hit 300 in Major League Baseball, much, much higher than it is right now. I think this guy is a differentiator at the position. And I like different, man. And he is clearly different. He's a guy that's going to spray the ball, that has a chance to hit 35 doubles. He's got alley-to-alley -alley power. In that spacious outfield, man, he can turn in a 35-double season, 40-double season if everything goes according to plan, on top of being a high-level defender. I think he's going to hit 15 homers, not seven. And he can turn in a four-win season if he was a two-win player in this first audition full-time, pretty much. I just, I was over the moon about the defense. Yeah. I mean, he's not the greatest pitch framer in the world. But yeah, but he catches 20, runners, man. Yeah, and to put 20 defensive runs saved, kind of, you know, to make it more palatable, Adley Rutschman had two defensive runs saved. Cal Raleigh, who we're going to talk about soon, two defensive runs saved. William Contreras, right, had this incredible defensive season. That's why he's high on our list. Five defensive runs saved. Will Smith, 12. Right, Sean Murphy, eight. No other player on this list was even close. J.T. Ramuto was negative four, right? So if he can hit like he did in the playoffs with that defense, yeah, we're easily looking at top five. And I think that's what Colby is saying. I just need to see it again. Average caught stealing percentage, percentage of times that that a catcher throws at a base runner. The MLB average this past year was 19.8%. So call it 20% for the sake of being round. What do you think Gabby's was? I just want you to tell me. I don't know. Double it. 39%. Oh. <sighs> Good. Real good. All right. Number seven, Jonah oh, Heim of the Trump. That's me. Are you number you seven? Stole, yeah, you stole my odds, man. What are we doing here? You're on odds. You're on odds. My bad. I got excited about <sighs> who? It's whatever. Jonah Heim of the Texas Rangers is the seventh best catcher in all of baseball. This felt low. It felt low. You I had know. him at seven. I love this catcher ranking. This is a legit position. I was pissed, but I was like, where else am I supposed to put him? Jonah Heim was yet another cog in the crazy productive machine that was the Texas Rangers offense in 2023. This guy hit just a tick under 260 playing the entire year. He slugged 440 
18 homers, 95 driven in. He was a four-win player, 4.1 F4. A 103 WRC plus doesn't translate to that. It translates because he is still a really, really good defender. One of the better framers in all of baseball. Six defensive runs saved to boot. He probably flourishes because he's not the third best hitter in that lineup. Maybe not even the fourth best hitter in that lineup. For him to have the opportunity to settle in, be comfortable, and be number six on the scouting report for every starting pitcher coming into a matchup with the Texas Rangers, I, I think this guy is thriving because of that. Jonah Heim, he's kind of like if you lowered Adley Rutschman just a little bit, right? Like Adley Rutschman, who isn't feeling great that day. But Adley Rutschman, you're going to see where he ranks. Yeah. But the reason I say that is switch hitter good hitter from both sides of the plate, power, and is a great defender. Says exactly what you want from the catching position. Not quite the talent that Adley is, but he's knocking on the door. And of course, he's a couple of years older as well. But I think the world of Jonah Heim, I had him seven. You had him six. For Autumn, again, had him 10. I mean, what are we doing here, Arm? We got to talk to him. Crazy. Number six. Number six, and this pains me to say, JT Romuto of the Philadelphia Phillies. He was not good defensively last year. Negative four defensive runs saved. He was not a great pitch framer. And he really had a down year offensively by his standards, right? And a 1.5 F war, 102 WRC plus 2% above major league average. But he still gave you 20 bombs and he still gave you 16 stolen bases. Just to be clear, I ranked him third. JT Romuto is in and out, right? Odd, even, odd, even. And now I rip Jeff McNeil for that, but JT Rumuto is so sound in so many different spots that I still gave him the benefit of the doubt and put him at the number three spot, but everybody else was much lower, including you at number seven. Why do, or is it that you just think that JT Rumuto is starting to slow? Yes. Because I think he could come back next year and be totally fine. Um, No, I, I think the defense dragged him down this year. Like, mm. I think the first sign of aging for a catcher seems to be defensively, right? Like it was around this age that we started having the Maurer conversation. Hey, are we going to move Maurer to right? Are we going to move Maurer to first base? I don't want to compare JT to Joe Maurer because Joe Maurer was a first ballot Hall of Famer. JT was a really good player and JT was the best catcher in baseball leading into the 2023 season. But I think, unfortunately, the the quick twitch and the defensive prowess, the freak athlete starts to dissipate when you're about to turn 33. And and that's the case for JT Real Muto. So much of his value defensively, I thought, was being a freak athlete and putting up the best pop time in all of baseball. And it just seems like that might be slowing a tick. And you got all these young guys that are coming in and, and are quicker. You're right. He just looked like the same defender in the playoffs, right, when the lights are turning on. He looked like the same guy. But again, in the regular season, the numbers are the numbers, and he did struggle defensively. I'm banking on the fact that it was a bad defensive year, that I don't think this is the end yet. I think we all agree he's still a good hitter, right? But the defensive stats are the stats. Um, I'm banking on a bounce back from JT, but we are where we're at. We all know JT Rumuto. He's been one of the best catchers in baseball for the last half decade. I'm giving him more shine than everybody else's. Yeah. Are you up? I'm I don't up. I want to step in front of you. 
Number five, again, like number six, number seven on the scouting report. Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves is a top five catcher in baseball. And Sean Murphy looked invigorated in his new digs in Atlanta. 440 plate appearances. This guy hit 250. It's like just under 500. 21 homers. He put up a 4.2 win season. Again, another elite year defensively. Eight defensive runs saved. Six and a half framing runs. I had him at number four. You had him at number five. This is, I think, where everybody just kind of clumps together. Uh, And Murphy, we seem to have entered a new threshold in the catcher rankings. I think top five is a different beast. I think top two, top three is kind of a different beast than four and five, but Sean Murphy, absolutely top five. Yeah, I think we're kind of getting into the tier range, right? Like Like tier two. Yeah, tier three. Yeah, something like that. But all these guys, you know, you can rank them however you want. My one thing about Sean Murphy, like I ranked him at five as well, right? You know, I think, I mean, Colby had him at number eight. And the reason I think Colby had him probably a little bit lower was they used a lot of Travis Darno, right? When we're looking at JT Real Muto, there's context to it, right? He got 300 more innings than Sean Murphy did last year. So the more innings you catch, the more opportunities there are to fuck up, yeah. realistically. Yeah. Right? So the more catching you are doing, the harder it is on your legs. And the Braves kept him healthy. They put Sean Murphy in positions to succeed, right? If Sean Murphy and JT Romuto caught the same amount of innings, does Sean Murphy's defense look the same as it did with the numbers in only 108 games and about 866 innings compared to JT at about 1,100 innings, right? That's why I gave JT Romuto the benefit of the doubt over Sean Murphy, But again, don't let that sentence tear down Sean Murphy, who, when he was in the lineup, was an incredible catcher and arguably in the top three. That's how he performed. It's just he didn't have the playing time. And the fact that the Braves used Travis Darno that much had a weird sticking point in my brain where it's like, well, why aren't you playing him every day? Yeah. That's my opinion on him. I still think he's great. Right. Nice note by Tim. Ronald Acuna obviously led the Braves in in war. Austin Riley was second among hitters in war. Sean Murphy was third, which means that he outwarded Orlando Arcia, an all-star, Michael Harris, Ozzy Albies. He outwarded Matt Olson, technically. I mean, man, war is the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're picking one stat moving forward, it's it's war. And this guy was the third most valuable player for the Atlanta Braves. This past year, one, 129 WRC plus and 21 bombs. Yep. I hope the Braves play him every day. Another guy who plays every day, number four on the top 10 catchers list, Cal Raleigh of the Seattle Mariners. Of course, Cal Raleigh of the Seattle Mariners. One of the best defenders in the sport, put up a 4.7 F war, 30 bombs. Name me a catcher right now that you know is going to give you 30 bombs and some of the best defense in Major League Baseball. I'll wait. It's really hard to find one. I don't think you can. And that's why Cal Raleigh is so high on our list. Big dumper, right? Has perpetually been a great defender. But him tapping into the power, year over year, we're looking at 30 home runs. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I ranked him sixth, right? Because, of course, JT Ramuto was a little bit higher. But you ranked him fifth. The rest of the panel ranked him fourth. So you and I are the low ones on Cal Raleigh, but we still respect the hell out of big dumper. 
Yeah, I ranked him fifth because I had Murphy fourth. And by the way, misread that last tidbit that he was third in war in 2023 because I was like, no, he can't have outward medals. And he did not. That was projected war. Zip's projections have him as the third most valuable brave hitter behind Acuna and Riley. So going into 2024, projected war ahead of Olsen, ahead of Michael Harris, ahead of Albies, which I find interesting. As for Cal Raleigh, it was it was a coin flip for me between Murphy and Raleigh. And and I gave the edge to Sean Murphy because Sean Murphy at the end of the day is a better defender. But Cal Raleigh, for being that big and that powerful and having that dumper on him, to be a positive defender, to be a great defender behind the plate, I applaud him. And man, like... I don't know two years ago if the Mariners thought they had the future of their, you know, catching position in Cal Raleigh. Maybe they were thinking, oh, yeah, he's just a time buyer for Harry Ford. Now, Raleigh's abilities at 27 years old are sort of kind of maybe making Ford somewhat maybe sort of kind of expensive. The reason I had Cal Raleigh a little bit lower than I think everybody else is I love the power, love the defense. However, he put up a 306 OBP and a 232 batting average, right? This is that was an increase of 22 points from his OBP from last year, right? This was a guy who was in the 280-ish range of OBP. Like he's not that great of a hitter, but he does have a ton of power, right? And he plays great defense. For me, that wasn't enough. Like a 111 WRC plus. I'm looking at guys like, for example, I rank Sean Murphy higher. Of course, I rank JT Ramuto higher. I think those guys are better overall hitters than Cal Raleigh is. But Cal Raleigh's got the defense and the bombs. It's kind of whatever you prefer from your catcher. I think that's why you and I ranked Sean Murphy a little bit higher. We think he's a better overall player than Cal Raleigh is. And personally, I still think JT Ramuto is up there. But again, same tier. Yeah. Same tier. And at the end of the day, Raleigh was a half a win better. Because he played more, but also because bombs speak for themselves. And 30 bombs and is 30 bombs. And the defense. It was great. Um, yeah, that was tier two. I think Murphy and Raleigh is tier two. We enter tier one with number three. And number three is William Contreras of the Milwaukee Brewers. And it was a fight to see who the number two catcher in baseball was going to be between this guy and number two. William Contreras just had a year that not many were expecting. Maybe the Brewers expected when he was part of that three-team trade that ended up sending Sean Murphy to Atlanta. But here's the thing, though. I feel like we all knew he was going to be a great offensive piece, right? We saw him with the Atlanta Braves yeah. getting the piss out of baseballs. But did we think he was going to be one of the best defenders at the position also? Are you kidding not at all. So he hit 290 with 17 homers and a 124 WRC plus. Could have absolutely expected that. But an elite framer, five defensive runs saved, and a five and a half win season, 5.4 F4. Higher than Adley. Never in a million years did I think that William Contreras would have been the top war accumulator among catchers in Major League Baseball. But that's where we're at. The Braves had this motherfucker playing left field in 2022. And he was the best catcher in baseball by war in 2023. I had him number three. You had him number two. That's yeah. why I'm really excited to talk about tier one. You, you had him four. I had him four. 
You had him four because you had JT three. I JT three. That's where it was. I'm still giving JT that nod because again, William Contreras has done it once. However, doing it once this well. Yeah. And when you get the pedigree, excuse me, excuse me. When you have the pedigree of your brother, of course, but also we knew you were this type of hitter. And then you enter the Brewers catching lab. Who's made guys like Omar Narvaez, this all world defender. He was framing everything. And you got to remember the the Brewers pitching staff that he's framing for. How many different 101 mile hour sinkers can one man catch from all these different angles, right? You got Hobie Milner and then you got Abner Uribe. It's complete opposite, but you got to frame both of them. And then you got to deal with Devin. (laughs) And then then you got to deal with Devin in the ninth. Bizarre. The, The thing that got me was William Contreras had an 87 WRC plus in 2021. Okay. Like, it's not good, but it's not just terrible started. at all. Just started. Yeah. 2022, he played 97 games. He had a 139 WRC plus and now a 124 WRC plus. So that is for me, like, you know, you average it all out. That's a year and a half. That's a hundred and or that's 230 games or so of a 130 WRC plus from William Contreras. If I know that I'm getting the offensive production, I just needed to see one year of this defensive mastery. That's the thing. And I love my catchers who play every day, right? The only catcher in Major League Baseball that more played appearances than him was Adley Rutschman, who we're going to talk about in a minute, right? Yeah. A world defender playing every day and hitting jacks. One of the best offensive players and led Major League Baseball from the catching position in F4. Speaks for itself. I'll still take JT, though. Because I need to see it again, but major props. This guy's going to be a star. Only 26 years old. My turn? Mm -hmm. Number two. The second best catcher in Major League Baseball is Will Smith of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course it is. You knew it, and I knew it. Guy rakes year in, year out. 19 bombs, 119 WRC+. But why I'm so proud of Will Smith. The defense finally came to be. Now, he's not the best defender in the world, but he just needed to not be terrible in order to consistently rank up here because I'm always putting him up here because of the bat. It's a special bat, right? Year in, year out, homers, RBIs, decently high average, walking a ton. And I love Will Smith because the harder you throw it in, the harder he hits it out. He's one of the best velocity hitters, I think, in Major League Baseball. And he's always due for a grand slam. But it's the defense. 12 defensive runs saved, like I said. One of the highest on this entire list was a solid pitch framer. But all he's got to be is solid defensively to easily be the second best catcher on this list. But you had him three. And you preferred William Contreras. I want to talk about this this one. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith has gotten better and better every year defensively. But you said finally the defense came around. And the defense coming around for Will Smith is a good defensive catcher. But William Contreras was a top-flight defensive catcher. Once, though, right? If we're talking about the defense is finally here for Will Smith, there was one year great defensively, right? If they're both now good defenders, whose bat would you rather have? Uh, I think it's comparable, actually. And William Contreras, we mentioned you're thinking, you know, maybe 125 WRC+. plus. At least that's what he's proven over his first two full seasons. Will Smith, over the course of his career, 128 WRC+. Plus. 2022, 128. 
2023, a 119. So year by year, and I know smaller sample in 22 for William Contreras than Will Smith, but Contreras had a higher WRC plus in both of those years. And at the end of the day, uh, hold like, on, like hold on. Like in a short sample and then in one year, right? He had that great one year, but it's like Will Smith, we got to give guys credit if they do it year in and year out and year in and year out like Will sure. Smith has done. For sure. But let me just say, William Contreras just turned a corner defensively. Will Smith just turned a corner defensively. You think the offensive numbers are comparable, right? They were comparable for William Contreras' best season this year, right? That's what Will Smith has been doing. It's the every only year. sample we have to work off of. Can I run you through the OPS? Sure. It's the only sample we have to work off of. 908 OPS in 2019, only played 54 games. Yeah. 2020, 37 games, 980 OPS. 2021, 130 games, 860 OPS. 2022, 808 OPS. Last year, 797 OPS. 25 bombs, 20 doubles. What are we talking about here? I mean, this what, is- hold on, hold on. What do you mean? What are we talking about here? Because I was just running through the exercise here. You think that William Contreras and Will Smith had comparable enough offensive seasons this past year, right? Yes. Well, William Contreras had a better year this year, but he's only done it once. And Will Smith has done it year in and year out and wasn't even that big of a difference. But he was a win better this year. Contreras One was. time. He's only had a year to work but with. If, if all we give guys is just credit for that one year, and then we just continue to move them up over guys who do it year in and year out because they were better in that one year, I think you're weighing 2023 too heavily. William Contreras is three years younger. Can I use I that as an argument? You could, yeah. If we are projecting for 2024, you want to make a bet right here? I'm Higher projecting in 2024. Sure. I'm projecting for 2024. And for 2024, I did believe that William Contreras will outwar Will Smith because he did it by a win last year. And I think he can do it by even a tenth of a win this year. What should the bet be? I want to. We should send each other. How about this? How about this? We could run back the punch me in the face. Thanks. <laughs> you no, want? I no, love that stuff. That's just I no love upside it. for you. How about this? Will Smith has a higher F war. You send me a Will Smith jersey. If William Contreras does it, I'll send you a William Contreras jersey. Yeah, that sounds good. How about this? If William Contreras outwars Will Smith, I want a Wilson Contreras uh, Cubs jersey. Okay, I'll do that for you. Because I, I, you can find that on retail. All right, I want a Shohei Otani signed jersey if Will Smith. All right, you've got Walker's information, right? Oh Yeah, we'll text him. Okay, perfect. Time for number one. Time for numero uno. Best catcher in baseball heading into 2024. Do we need a drum roll? Adley Rutschman of the Baltimore Orioles is far and away the best catcher in baseball. He was across the board. We had six people on the panel. All six had him as the best catcher in baseball. This guy had nearly 700 plate appearances this past year. Played every freaking day, man. And at the end of the day, he had a 374 OBP, 20 homers, drove in 80, a 127 WRC plus was the best at the position. And he was one of two five win catchers this past year, William Contreras and Adley Rutschman. Adley is the perfect best player for this team, for a young, exciting team that outperformed since he's debuted 
this cat, it took over a year for the O's to get swept in a series after Adley Rutschman debuted. There's a reason that all they've done since he debuted is fucking win. He's a winner, and he's the best catcher in baseball. Joe Maurer handed the torch to Buster Posey. Buster Posey handed the torch to JT Real Muto. And officially this season, JT Real Muto has handed the torch over to Adley Rutschman. 158 and 109. That is the record of the Baltimore Orioles since Adley Rutschman debuted. And you could say, well, Peter, you know, the, you know, how do we quantify that? How can you prove that? You know it when you see it. When you watch an <laughs> Orioles game, this guy is a winner. He was a winner at Oregon State, and he's a winner with the Baltimore Orioles, and they're going to continue to win as long as Adley Rutschman is behind home plate. And we can quantify it, at least slightly, in terms of F4. 5.1, just another five-win season, and he's just going to keep giving you five-win seasons for the rest of his freaking life because he's an incredible hitter on both sides of the ball. He gives you power. He gives you doubles. And he's not one of these Cal Raleigh types who hits 230. This guy's hitting 280. Great defender. You hear Orioles pitchers talk about, you know, how much they love him behind the plate, how, mu how much trust they have in a young player behind the plate to call games. It's one of the best overall players in Major League Baseball, right? If you're having a draft of guys under 25, right? He turns 26 in February, so we'd have to do the draft soon. You draft him pretty high. Yes. A winner. Adley Rutschman, a winner. The new torch has been passed to the best catcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, only place that Adley Rutschman spent more than two months at in Minor League Baseball was in double-A Bowie in 2021. He played 80 games with Bowie, which is equivalent to four months or so, three and a half, four months. They went 73 and 47. So they were a winner when he was there. He's really never been on a shit team ever. Like, I, I think the answer, he spent month and a half with triple-A Norfolk at the end of 2021, and they won like 50 games that year. So that's the last time he was on a team that wasn't top flight. I was going to be like, he's kind of like Kareem, but I was like, wait a minute, Peter, give him time. Please. No, don't <laughs> do that. Adley don't do it. I was just thinking about the fact that I think Kareem lost three or four games in high school. I think he won, what, three or four championships in college, right? Or maybe he didn't even lose a game. It's just like AJ McCarron, man. That guy never yeah. lost. <laughs> That's a better comparison for Adley Rutschman is AJ McCarron. Perfect. <laughs> Got you, man. So we're right in the middle of AJ McCarron and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We have Adley Rutschman. That actually might be like right in the middle That's of safe. the AJ McCarron to Kareem scale. Adley Rutschman. <laughs> Orioles fans, this is probably a sick episode. You got Corbin Birds and Adley Rutschman is the number one catcher in baseball. But if you're a fan of another team, because I know Orioles fans, I know you're going to rate us five stars. Whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I mean, how couldn't you after that episode? Are you kidding me? Shout out Orioles fans. But if you're a fan of another team and you did enjoy this episode, greatly appreciate five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribing on YouTube. We just put out a couple of videos, top 10 NL East players, and I just produced a video with our guy Will Cohen ranking expansion teams, all 13 of them. Jack, have you seen the video yet? It was a great video. Thank you, my friend. Go watch it on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube again, hit that subscribe button and the like button and comment anything else that you'd like to see. And if you don't agree with our top 10 catchers list, Tell us how you would rank them in the comments below and get your just baseball merch. I'm rocking the hat. Jack's never rocking anything because he hates the company, but you know, yep. you got to slide with the punches. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday. 
For Jack McMullen, I am Peter Oppelin. With that, thank you, everybody.